When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For all the latest betting markets, odds, and promotions, visit WilliamHill.com. 18 plus. Please gamble responsibly. William Hill. It's who you play with. Hello and welcome to Middle Please Umpire. I am Miles Jupp and with me is, of course, uh, World Cup winning fast bowler and sex pot, uh, Mark Wood. Hello, Mark. Hello, Miles. How are you? I'm all right. I'm in a slightly noisy kitchen, but as I've discovered whilst attempting to homeschool during lockdown, there is literally nothing I can do about it. Um, Thing is, though, Miles, nothing will dampen my spirits. Nothing. It is a very big day. Now, tell tell us why it's a big day, Mark. I've turned the ripe old age of 31. It's my birthday. 31. Birthday. Well, many happy returns, Mark. Um, You look, you're wearing it remarkably well. Um, I, I actually knew it was your birthday, Mark. Um, because last night I was um, I was just sitting by the fire. Uh, I thought I'm going to get uh, I'll get the good book down, and uh, so I got the good book down, and I was reading a passage in it that really leapt out at me. Uh, it's from um, one of the Gospels. I'll read it to you now. Um, of course, it'll be familiar to anyone from um, uh, studies at school. On the 11th of January 1990, in the lush fields around the Rohan Canai, brackets of J.D. Weatherspoon's pub in Ashington, <laughs> Northumberland, there were some shepherds, basically, young lads looking for trouble, <laughs> keeping watch. Just then, an angel of the Minor Counties Championship Eastern Division appeared before them, and they were sore afraid, or so afraid, as it's pronounced in the South. But the angel of the Minor Counties Championship Eastern Division said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in Ashington, just west of the A189 and bordered to the south by the River Warbeck. We know where Ashington is, says the lads. We live here. I'm just setting it in a wider geographical context for a wider audience, explained the angel testily. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, today in Ashington, a boy is born. He looks like an owl, but pretends to have a horse. He, he won't be particularly tall or stocky, but by crikey, he's going to push it through quick. Uh, he's not got an especially high arm. I guess you call him Slingy. 
or Skitty perhaps, but he will play for Northumberland, then Durham, then England. Uh, he will go on to win the Cricket World Cup. He'll probably do an intercostal diving unsuccessfully for a second, but at least scores will be level. <laughs> and he won't have to field in the Super over. It's win-win, basically. And, uh, and they shall call him yeah. Mark. Uh, right now, he's wrapped in swaddling clothes and uh, trying to master whistling. And uh, suddenly, there appeared with the angel a great multitude, praising and singing... Uh, Praising and singing Sweet Caroline, oh, 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 good times never felt so good. Uh, which led me, of course, to say happy birthday, Mark Wood. Um, it's Thank interesting. You, I must have read that lovely. book so I mean, many times. I've read that book so many times, and I've always just, I must have just skipped that paragraph. And here I am in, in Sri Lanka now with the, the more apt gospel, little donkey on a dusty road. <laughs> it's been quite funny here, actually, because... You think of Sri Lanka has been literally red hot, but it's been thunderstorms sort of every day. So we haven't actually seen the sun very much. Um, but when it does get out, it always seems to come out when I bowl for some reason. I don't know if someone's tormenting me or if they have a voodoo doll of me that keeps prodding me in the ankle and then hoi me out in the sun. Um, but that seems to ha- the sun at 95% humidity seems to just come out when I bowl. So at the minute, I'm hoping that changes, but we haven't had the conditions that we thought we would. Um, it, the practice match was good. It was nice to roll off a few cobwebs and things, but um, I think it's just more. Our sport of the ball has quite a lot, and your fifth and sixth ball are particularly difficult because you're so sapped going in the last couple of balls of the over that they're often your most either inaccurate or your thought process is a bit muddled because you're then thinking, oh, I'll try something different when you should just be doing the same thing. So we're trying to work as a unit to obviously reverse swing, but you're sweating so much, so that's a challenge. Well, I was bowling with Jack Leach at the time, and he was rattling through his overs um, <laughs> to the point where I was like, Jack, can you please slow down? Um, but I had to change fielding positions to somewhere where the ball wasn't going to go because I was feeling a deep point to Jack Leach, and they were sort of knocking a couple there as well for one. So I was never sort of stopping. So when I was coming back on for my over, I was, um, I was a bit... Bit knackered, but um, I think that's going to that's going to be the challenge. Yeah, I mean, I felt good. I didn't get any wickets, but um, I created a couple of chances, um, bowled a couple of spells that you know the captain would want us to bowl. So I tell you, actually, what has been one of the the highlights, Miles, um, is seeing cows in the middle of the road on every journey. Of course, in England, they're penned in a field, but here they sort of just run free and. There's a massive effort from the bus driver to go around the cows, obviously. Um, but it seems like the, the cows rule the world, road here. Do they, I mean, officially, do they have priority? Do you think if you're having driving lessons in Sri Lanka, like on the theory bit, there's a picture of a cow and it says, what, what pedal do you hit when you see one of these? I think it's often in the theory test of what happens if you see a cow. And, and the, the obvious answer would be go around it or toot your horn which seems to be a common but I, th- I think if I was being if I was the cow and I was being tooted at so often I'd either think that I was either a pretty good looking cow or I would sl- start to slowly go crazy uh, what um, what else is bringing you joy then you're hardly leaving the hotel it's been a little bit of football manager in my room um, a bit of watching some movies and some some uh, series what are you what are you watching in the minute um, what's the story, Balamori? Wouldn't you like to know? How many of the 253 episodes have you seen? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just new to it at the minute. Um, oh, there's one when I um, there's one when I build a time machine 
which I think you in particular will love, with your love of history. Who's your favourite character in it? Well, you, you know, obviously. No, you don't have to say me. Who's your... Who, uh, you're you? Really? Oh. You? I'm very flattered. How, how, how can we be friends and uh, you're not my favourite character? Well, because that's not... I'm afraid Are that's you trying that, to say I'm not your favourite cricketer? <gasps> no, that's, that is... <gasps> Oh, well, I'm glad you brought it up first. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I know Michael Aston's in number one. I'm happy to be in number two. It makes me happy to be number two. Do you know what there is in um, in that program when they were doing the set? In the set, they said, "Is there anything you want on the set?" And one of the things, if you if you watch that closely, and I'm not recommending necessarily that you do or don't, but on the set behind Archie, the inventor, is a little frame photograph of Michael Aston. <laughs> and 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 in every episode, do you mention back and across? Back and across. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watch out for McGraw. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, all, in all seriousness, I think the series I've been watching, I've been watching um, the boys, which is very good. Um, I finished the the Queen's Gambit, the chess one. And then we're spoiled for choice on the TV with cricket, obviously being in this part of the world with cricket being so highly thought of. That's, I mean, I, I, I've watched that much of the, or had the cricket in the background, and I know the adverts and the theme song for the for the, the cricket. There's the Big Bash, there's the Australian Tests. Have you watched any Big Bash? There's a lot, yes, of, a lot watched, of English players watched, do very well in the Big Bash. Yes, um, I'm really pleased um, for all the lads. You, you always want the English lads to do well. Um, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Brisbane Heat because I played on the Gold Coast for three years and went to watch them play a couple of times. So I've been, I follow them closely. I've had a message from Joe Hart on Instagram, which was lovely. Oh, Our yeah. Joe, as I like to call him now, a war Joe. It was nice to speak to him. Finally, the, the greatest uh, birthday present that I got was... Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is one of my favourite shows. Um, Boyle, the character called Boyle, um, who is the main character, sort of sidekick. Uh, Joe Latruglio, or Truglio, or is, his, is his real name. He sent me a, me- a personalised message and I literally couldn't believe it. He mentioned Jaffa's and hitting lengths. Really? Which he <laughs> admitted he just Googled. But that was, uh, that was a Jimmy Anderson... Um, got me that present. That's a very um, nice gift. We're both, we're both huge fans of the show, so that was a lovely gift. Did you um, have you got my present yet? No, but a, f- a fun fact for all you listeners out there: um, my birthday coincides with um, my dad's. Uh, we're both um, born on the same day. Um, another fun fact: it's the same day as Brian Robson. So I'd like to think that I, I am also a tenacious midfielder. And finally, it's the same day as Rahul Dravid, who obviously picked up his batting tips from me. I don't want to be a spoiler, but my what I've sent you, you'll have to sign for it. Um, I had to write on it what it what it was, otherwise I wasn't allowed to use International Post. Anyway, uh, if you're worried about the evenings getting boring, Mark, worry no more, because it is, uh, it's a VHS of uh, Archie's greatest inventions um, from the Balamori days. And it's still With got... With Michael Atherton, obviously, in the background. Uh, that's right, and it's actually still got a Woolworths price tag on. I have got sports bags and sports bags of the thing, so I'm just slowly, slowly getting rid of them. I mean, in a, in the dream, is, the dream is they get lost in transit because I don't put quite enough postage on. Shall we have a look at our post bag, Mark? Yes, please. It's not. It's not like a real post bag. It's a 
it's a sort of an e an e bag, isn't it? Um, so there's various questions that Mark's been asking um, over the course of the series. That noise there, that is me pressing the buttons on my laptop in uh, in real time. Uh, just to I think just a be bit. a good TMS reporter. He's he just set the real picture there. I'm just ex- I painting the picture with your words. That's right. I just want people to to just get a real sense of what it's like hosting a podcast with Mark Wood. It is, um, I don't want people to forget the admin side. Uh, you've been asking about teas, uh, nicknames, legendary stories. Um, let's have a look. Okay, so this first one, uh, this is about teas. This is sent in by AJ. Uh, I can vouch for the teas at Old Merchant Tailors. They even managed to destroy the opposition on one occasion, or at least the lack of them did. We were hosting High Wycombe who included two former Test players in their ranks, and T was called after we'd hit 270-odd. Our home ground has a number of rooms in the old house where T is served. Unfortunately, the visiting skipper had led his team to the wrong one. After waiting a while, they realised the error and eventually found the correct place. However, our lads and the umpires hadn't really noticed the opposition's absence and had filled their boots with a hearty tea. By the time they arrived, there was probably only the corned beef sandwiches and a few pork pies left. Probably the run to the litter, to be fair. There were some angry scenes at the remaining choice, and even a chair kicked as we scrambled to find some more to eat. With their heads gone at the lack of a coronation chicken option, they were skittled out for 130 and last seen heading to the local McDonald's drive through I mean, that is essentially gamesmanship, isn't it? I mean, they I can say... I think I've actually played at uh, Taylor Merchants before. That is, that is the first class venue, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. yeah, it's one of their outgrounds, I think. Uh, Alex By or Alex B. Uh, hi, guys. Looking forward to seeing Mark steaming into bowl soon. Last season, I started playing for Cotman Thorpe CC after a few years away. The club loved giving nicknames, and I was quickly christened Klaus on account of my round glasses, which make me look like a foreign <laughs> exchange student. <laughs> Every time I bowl a good ball, it's now accompanied by fielders with German accents shouting, Ja, das ist gut. <laughs> Here's uh, a legendary story. Uh, this is from Walton and Dale Cricket Club. Uh, Sam Bolton, first 11 all-rounder, managed to convince two umpires and an opposition team that the rules surrounding handled ball had been changed in an early season fixture. He stopped a ball running onto his stumps with his hand and proceeded to tell everyone that this was now the only permissible use of the hand that was allowed. <laughs> he got away with it and went on to get a match-winning 50. Um, that sounds like very smart thinking. Uh, a non-legendary story. should be Conman. Um, a non-legendary story Chris Norton I played at school until the age of about 14 I was asked to join a local Sunday club 35 years later I bought new gear first game I pinched nerves in both hands and pulled a hamstring getting 15 (laughs) (laughs) sold the stuff following day on eBay oh that is well I I certainly know how that feels having I certainly once (laughs) I once paid for a day's babysitting Two taxi journeys uh, for a game in which I was out first ball whilst batting and then concussed whilst fielding. So uh, I know what it is not to make it to the top ranks. Um, a nickname story from regular correspondent Matt Tufts. Uh, another great episode last week. I could have listened to you chat to Merv for hours. That's very kind of you. Uh, uh, firstly, nickname. After a series of ducks in our league matches in 2013, my surname Tufts had been written so frequently with a zero after it that my teammates have referred to me as Tufts so ever since. <laughs> Uh, onto a legendary story from Ramsgate Corinthians CC uh, Mark Jonty Lewis has never lived this moment down Jonty was given his nickname ironically after claiming midway through a season I may not get into the best 11 for my batting or bowling but I should be in for my fielding (laughs) 
Needless to say, this is not the case. Uh, Jonty was placed at long on during a tense finish in a league match some 10 years ago. The opposition batsman on strike was flaying the ball to all parts and was ensuring his side reached their target in a close encounter. With just five required from the final over, we managed to bowl two dot balls in a row and add some pressure. He then had an almighty swing at the third ball, hitting it high and far, but not quite far enough. Jonty at long on took a few paces in and had the chance to be a hero. He steadied himself, eyes fixated on the falling cherry, and that was it. It burst through his fingers, crashing into his forehead. Uh, <laughs> the ball bounced so far off his head that it went for six. <laughs> and we'd left... <laughs> We'd lost the game while John T was left lying flat out cold on the turf. At that moment, it didn't matter. We were all too busy rolling around in fits of laughter to care about the result, or poor John T, who we were pleased to say went on to make a full recovery. Uh, Man, that reminds me of uh, Ashton, uh, my home club. We had this guy called the Caterer. Plenty um, guesses of what he used to do at the club. But you uh, you play for the third team, and the, he didn't really have anything to do with cricket or know much about it, but. Um, he played when we were short and helped out, and we played against uh, the posh team, South Northumberland, uh, third third eleven. Um, the needs, I think, I think it was five to win, last ball. So if it goes for four, we still, I think we still would have won. I think they needed five or more to win, and um, as the ball gets hit in the deep to him, he comes running after the ball, and instead of just let the ball bounce go for four. <laughs> he tried to kick it. And <laughs> 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 And we lost by one. <laughs> uh, that is the manner, exactly the manner in which I myself was concussed, was feeling it um, long on Ella Jonti. I have to say, it, I had a, I had a seam mark on my forehead for a week. It was slightly terrifying at the time, uh, but I didn't realize. The other thing was, I just sort of carried on. I didn't realize I was concussed. When you when you had the seam mark on your head, did you look a bit like a pirate? <laughs> I I guess yeah, and I because I had a proper black eye as well with like one of those ones that was like a slow one. So it had so every day mm. you look at it and it'd be two different. Different. Or do you colors. think maybe people thought you'd like just get out of prison or like you were maybe like part of a gang? Yeah, well, I get that yeah, a lot, You've been branded. Yeah. <laughs> they thought maybe it was my tell. Perhaps when, <laughs> when, I, when I'm telling a fib, I bruise heavily around the eyes. Um, okay, we've got another late contender from the mailbag. This is from Jonathan Whiteman. Uh, this is a great tale that was brought back to my attention while watching the World Cup final and realising that the players, and arguably the umpires on that occasion, seldom understand the intricacies of the rules of cricket outside of the most basic a summer's day a number of years ago at Bolden Cricket Club in the North East was a scene for a truly hilarious and bonkers cricketing moment. The Bolden batsman, Richard Potter, attempted to play a sweep shot that took the top edge and lodged the ball in between the peak and the grid of his helmet. The, under, the opposing wicketkeeper, understanding the rules of cricket more than most present that day, shouted in jest, catch it. Richard, failing to recognise the humorous tone of the comment, panicked briefly and stepped away from the keeper urgently. This is when he got himself in a bit of a pickle. Not realising that the ball was dead, he considered that if he was to use his hand to retrieve the ball from the helmet, then he might be given out handled ball. The situation was exacerbated when, like the batsman, the fielder of extra cover took the words of the wicketkeeper seriously and sensed an opportunity to claim a wicket by catching the ball straight out of the helmet. The, f- <laughs> the fielder started running towards the batsman. 
And either through an incredibly fast thought process or sheer blood panic, the batsman starts to leg it off towards fight leg while extra cover gave chase. The fielder, who was fielding at long leg, seeing what was unfolding before him, attempted to cut the batsman off, and with no one else to turn, and both long leg and extra cover bearing down on him, the batsman played his final roll of the dice by which to preserve his wicket. He dove full length and started bashing his head on the floor to try and ground the ball. The truly crazy 20 seconds caused by a patchy knowledge of the rule and one man's desperation not to be given out. <laughs> That's world class. That is literally world class. Those are fantastic scenes. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Jonathan Whiteman. And indeed everyone uh, who has uh, uh, sent uh, us messages over the course of this series. Right, Mark Wood, uh, it's, uh, it's time for a guest. Ooh. Uh, do you want me to give you a few clues as to who it is? Uh... Yeah, I, 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 because it's my birthday, I'm feeling sprightly. I think that I'm, I might know this one quickly. I, I'm feeling on, on top of it. Come on, hit me. Okay, uh, a couple of clues. Um, he's probably got a new bat sponsor. Johnny Bairstow, knew it. Oh, very quick out of the blocks there. It is, it's Johnny Bairstow. I'd just like to take a moment to thank our sponsors who have helped make this podcast possible. Cricketers Gin is the perfect pairing for Tonic, but also this podcast, as they also believe in creating something enjoyable around the sport we love. Cricketers is an exquisite local gin, a family business, and was inspired during a game of cricket on a sunny village green in Pinkney's, Berkshire. The founders decided that the quintessential British game, along with the wild botanicals growing in abundance nearby, deserved a bespoke artisan gin of its own. Cricketers is distilled to the highest London gin standards, all the ingredients are natural and added before distillation, ensuring it's the purest form of gin, and that Cricketers delivers a beautifully smooth juniper forward gin. You can find this wonderful cricketing tipple at cricketersgin.com, and we thank them for their support. There is a special 10% discount if you use the code POD. William Hill's Safer Gambling Tools help you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders, and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus. Please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. What a brilliant, brilliant hundred from a brilliant cricketer. Johnny Vesta, take a bow. Well, uh, he's northern, he's bearded, he's a World Cup winner, he's muscular. Am I describing Mark Wood? Nearly. It's uh, Johnny Besto. Hello, Johnny. I'm Miles, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I've had a morning of um, homeschooling. And I've gone absolutely spare for the last hour and a half straight through. So this is this is very relaxing. Funny enough, Johnny's just homeschooled me in the net <laughs> earlier today. So technically, Johnny's been doing a little bit as well. Were you? Um, who was he bowling or batting? At both. I've, <laughs> I've been homeschooled on all fronts today. Uh, now he's looking. A good, he's looking a good touch, Johnny. I think he's. Uh, I think he's ready to go, aren't you, son? Yeah, pretty happy. Um, yeah, pretty happy. A little bit nervous um, naturally, but um, no, happy with my happy with my game. Just just need to just give myself a bit of a chance. Um, hopefully, when we uh, when we get out there and I hopefully get the nod. At the moment like this, then you've gone from playing sudden, suddenly. You're playing. I say suddenly. It's been ages. You're playing red ball, but what what that mindset then? If you how do you go about mentally sorting yourself out? If you've gone from the sort of cricket where you're wearing I don't know multicoloured pads and you're just sort of spanking it daft, how do you suddenly get into that mindset when you're you think I've got to be gritty for ninety overs? I think uh, you've got to call on a lot of the the times in the past. Um, I've been fortunate enough to play 
uh, quite a few times in tests now for England. So um, calling on those those times that you may have had a break in the past, also um, <clears throat> times when Woody's been coming around the wicket at Scarborough and trying to hit me on the head, <laughs> um, and uh, and all those other other experiences that you've had. To be honest, I think that you try and well, of course, Gaul and Scarborough. You've got the fort at Gaul. You've got the castle at Scarborough. They're two very similar environments, aren't they? It's not it's not hard to sort of transpose one mindset to the other. Yeah, the, the weather's definitely very similar, as you say. It's <laughs> Close. I think last time we were here, actually, Johnny, you played a blinder, didn't you? So that must give you confidence as well. Uh, yeah, that was up in Colombo, but yeah, in, in Sri Lanka. Yeah, that, that's always tricky because I did my ankle before the first game. I did my ligaments in my ankle. And then I was meant to, the, the doctor and the phys said I probably should be out for six weeks, but I managed to convince them to just trust me that I can get back in. Uh, a lot less time. I end up getting back in uh, three weeks to be back. That's a, see, that's a true northerner there for you, Miles. Wow. See that? Back in three. That's extraordinary. Can you can you teach Mark to persuade physios that he's fit again sooner? <laughs> I keep giving him a cup of cement at breakfast just to see if that will harden him up a bit. Because <laughs> that innings was amazing. That was that, that big hundred. Was that batting at three in Sri Lanka? Uh, yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, so one of the first times that I batted at three for England, yeah. That is, to just sort of drop in like that is incredible. And also what I feel, and this is where I feel slightly kindred spirit, is the, the thought of, um, what should we say, fair, fair gentlemen like, uh, like you and I who, who redden easily. Those gingers, you mean? G- yes, exactly. Um, our inability, you know, the heat. I mean, I think watching cricket when it's hot is quite hard work. But the thought of going out there in the middle and batting for, what, 120 overs? I'm calling it modern-day torture, Miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about we just put a ginger a ginger bloke in 40 degrees heat, also <laughs> 80% humidity, and just see how it goes. Prior to a couple of other tours in the subcontinent, I'd um, do my training and go sit in a, a sauna for, for 20 minutes and then go out and have a, a couple of minutes outside and then go and try and sit in it again for as long as possible. Uh, obviously, um, try not to pass out and drinking some water during during the event. But um, no no one was harmed in the... Uh, would, you, would you do a bit of sort of Steve Smith-style shadow batting in the sauna just to check it's all moving properly? I, I can't say uh, I can't say that's my uh, go-to. What, what you just said there, Miles, about Sri Lanka and obviously Johnny, Johnny doing well here last time. Johnny, from, from obviously I'm in the room with you when we do all the analysis of bowlers and batsmen and their bowlers and their batsmen, but what does it take to be successful in Sri Lanka apart from, because obviously you've done it before and we've seen you do it before, but what what is it for you that makes people successful out here? Uh, confidence, that's number one. Uh, having uh, confidence in your, in your defence, um, whether that be against spin and just knowing your game plans against um, relevant spin, they they're allowed to bowl good balls they're allowed to bowl balls in in areas that may react differently off the pitch but if you're giving yourself your your best chance to um react to them and play in the in the best way possible then then that's number one um trying to do your research a little bit on uh if they've got any mystery with them Uh, they've got a leg spinner this time um and we know that his average pace of his leg spinner is 51 mile an hour compared to 53 with his Googly, so straight away you're thinking that the trajectory of that is going to be flatter than 
uh, is leg spinner, so you're potentially looking out for um, subtle changes like that. And, and then what's he called, Johnny? <laughs> I'll let you <laughs> pronounce it. <laughs> no chance. I don't think we've got any chance, have we? No. Actually, I tell you what you should do. You should uh, you should let Miles try and try and Google it and pronounce it at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea, though. I can just about get away with speaking so quickly that no one actually, you know, it's totally inaudible. <laughs> but you'd up. think that everyone in world cricket, you know, Miles, would know who Johnny Besto is. I, I certainly thought everybody would know who Johnny Besto is, yet some little Sri Lankan guy in the ho- last hotel asked for uh, Mr. Ben, Mr. Ben's autograph. That would be Ben Stokes, wouldn't it, Johnny? Or, or was it Mr. Ben from the animation series? Mr. Ben closed the door to the <laughs> emporium. <laughs> it could have been worse. It could have, it could have been Ron Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> Very Do good. You, did you sign? Um, did you sign uh, Ben, or did you sign? Did you sign your correct name? He wrote. He wrote Stokesy in with his left hand and Child's writing just a next. <laughs> 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 he scribed it into a bat. <laughs> Ben. <laughs> that business, therefore, when you're talking about just just how different then the pace that someone bowls at. If you are you reading that then from their arm action, or is it as it out of the hand? Just to think, he's if already the idea that you've got in your head, you're going out to bat with the knowledge that one particular delivery is two miles an hour quicker than another delivery. Is that sort of stuff clouding your head, or is it all there at the forefront, just sort of by instinct? No, I don't think it's clouding it. I think that the more clarity that you can have with that information, the better. But having the knowledge that there's a bloke that's potentially got the ability to do something different um, from his stock ball is is the important bit. Um, now the trick is trying to pick it out of his hand, and then if you can't pick it out of his hand, then trying to pick it in the air. And if you don't pick it out out of his hand or in the air, then trying to pick it off the pitch. And if you don't pick it off the pitch, then good luck because you're screwed. So sweet. Yeah, but it does sound like you've got four <laughs> goes at it. <laughs> you can afford to be wrong three times yeah. and if you get all four wrong you walk yeah. in back see it. it's not just the fact that you know he's not going to be just working it out on the field he's played with mystery spinners he's played against mystery spinners a lot and been successful so like he says with the confidence side of things I think it's the same as a bowler you get the confidence from working things out working batters out being adaptable on the field quickly and I'm sure experiences like that in the IPL have helped you, haven't they, Johnny? I mean, we'll not talk. We'll talk about cricket experiences first before the cake experiences, where you get mushed in the face first. There, eh? what's your <laughs> cricket experiences in the IPL like? No, I think you're right. But um, another experience is obviously growing up with Adil Rashid at Yorkshire. I think the experiences that that Rash and I have had growing up together and trying to pick him, whether that be keeping or batting against him in the nets, um, is another one to add to that. We're very fortunate to have someone like Adil that has played all formats for England and uh, that can only stand you, like I said, in good stead for when you go to play in places like the IPL. What's the, what's the cake business? Why'd you get, why'd you get attacked with cake in the IPL? Oh. Is that a sort of hazing ritual? Miles, this is not one of the highlights of the trip. I'm not going to lie to you. It might be for Mark's amusement, but definitely not for me. <laughs> so um, if, um, if it's your birthday when you're in the IPL, which fortunately it isn't, then, um, to celebrate your birthday, you go and uh, celebrate with everyone. But there's a cake. There's a birthday cake. And the birthday cake um, obviously is in the middle. You cut the cake. Uh, you hand a little piece to someone. You have a bite yourself. And then all of a sudden, the rest of your teammates come in, take a handful of cake and smother it in your face. It's literally like 
you get smothered in your face, you get smothered in your hair, you get smothered in people put it in your ears. Like it's absolutely <laughs> atrocious. And then if it also happens if you get man of the match. Now, when I was in uh, Hyderabad last year, I was fortunate enough to get man of the match. <laughs> I feel like you're going to say, I deliberately, I deliberately get out because I don't want that man of the match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the second best player in every game I play. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we went back to the hotel and all my family, uh, well, my family and, and some friends are there. And they didn't have a clue about what was happening. And we've got back to the hotel and everyone's like singing, chanting, everything like this. Next thing I'm stood at the front and they're going, what the heck is going on here? And then my sister looks over and she turns around, looks back and I'm just covered in cake, literally <laughs> covered in cake. So I've gone to then give her a hug. I've gone to give her a hug and she just started running up, running up. <laughs> it takes about 15 minutes to get my hair back to being ginger. It's the first time I've been like brown haired in my life. <laughs> It does sound, it sounds like a sort of arty French film, people just sort of sexually smearing cooking ingredients all over each other. I wouldn't go that far. Okay, well, no, noted. <laughs> You're actually cooking, Johnny. I, um, I uh, Obviously, Mark and I do huge amounts of research before all of our um, in-depth interviews. It's not just us, it's the whole team. And um, uh, I looked on your Instagram feed, and there was a picture of you, November, I think it was, cooking for your sister's birthday, I think it was. It looked like a sort of beef wellington, something like that. Oh, that yeah. was tremendous. Yeah, that looked tremendous. Do you, do you, and this is what, we're, this is what uh, we're, everyone's uh, been writing, do you make your own pastry, Johnny? Uh, n- no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the honest answer. Um, sorry to disappoint everyone that's listening. No, I, I didn't. Um, there was uh, there was pastry sheets that were involved, but the, the mushroom pate that went inside was homemade and other bits like that. So I've just watched the Jack Charlton Jack Charlton DVD. Obviously, Jack Charlton being from Ashington, I thought oh, I'll give this a try. Loved it. Um, and halfway through, there's a bit on the Irish football manager, uh, Jack Charlton, Irish football manager at the time, and, and David O'Leary not getting as many games as he as he wanted because Jack Charlton didn't rate him. And it brought back all these memories to when I went to Johnny's house. Johnny's car gets flagged down as we're driving in. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Oh, Johnny, great to see you. We must play golf. We must do this. It's David O'Leary. And I get to Johnny's house. I was like, oh, how long have you known David O'Leary? Oh, never before. I've just met him just now. He charged after Johnny's car. <laughs> <laughs> do you get do you get starstruck then? I mean, Mark, obviously you're very... Do you, do you find, I mean, within the world of cricket, presumably you can't get starstruck, but out with suddenly when you're sort of flung into these situations? Well, we've, we've got uh, Jack Callis here at the minute, and I mean, I've, I, I tried to break the ice by prank calling his room, um, <laughs> which didn't go down well. Why did you prank call Jack Callis? I just thought we'd break the ice. I mean, we had to have. Because he was very bored. Yeah, we had to have four <laughs> or five days, and you could talk. We had four or five days of quarantine, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> we couldn't do anything so at the time we didn't have any any laundry service so I was trying to ring up with a Sri Lankan accent saying um, would you like your evening meal which was being delivered and everybody would go yes yes your evening meal and I'd say and laundry and they'd go no no we haven't got any laundry so I'd be like so you don't want your evening meal and you don't want your laundry no no we do want that alright so you want your laundry did it? and then that's when it would, would kick off I was a few my top three most angry were Stuart Broad in his poshest <laughs> accent who couldn't quite understand why I wasn't getting it right. 
John Lewis, the bowling coach, who didn't even get as far as the laundry because he was that upset that his food was cold, that he just kept shouting at, shouting at me, effing cold. It's effing cold over and over. And then I, I had to give up with him. And then the, the last one was Chris Wokes, who just hung up the phone. So I thought we'd break the ice with Callis. I'll, I'll ring him. We'll, we'll get on good terms. He'll have a bit of a laugh. He just He's the coolest man alive. He just didn't break. I couldn't break him. And then I, in the end, I had to say, sorry, mate, it's Woody. And he went, yeah, I thought it might have been somebody. And that was it. Hung up the phone. <laughs> job done. <laughs> Couldn't break. He's unbreakable. It's like he's it's, slip catching. Is John Lewis back on, uh, on speaking terms with you? Uh, yeah, but he's not speaking to those hotel staff. They better get his meals warmer. He's not going to speak to anybody ever again. <laughs> he looks quiet, doesn't he? But you forget John Lewis. First of all, he was one of the first bowlers to rip, rip the Australians apart in 2005. In mm. that 2020, when he and Goff skittled them for, was it 77? He also, yeah. I was in Dubai once and he tried to throw me off the back of a golf buggy. Well, my, my son's watching Postman Pat at the minute. It's one of his favourite shows. Um, <laughs> so we've constantly got special delivery service playing and I cannot help but see Postman Pat and Johnny, Johnny Lou. It's, I, think, I think it's the human version of Postman Pat. And the second thing is, which Johnny will know, we've, we've got a, obviously the illustrious swim club and Johnny Lou's new to that. Johnny Basto, of course, is in that as well. Um, and and Johnny Lou in, in swim club is an absolute madman. He, he, he tries to thrash through the water like a great white shark. So um, he's a bit hot-headed at the minute. It might be the, the temperature. It might need to just cool him off a little bit. Well, you've got to work. You've got to get somehow. I mean, you can't you can't cope with an angry bowling coach. Mate, if I don't hit the top of off, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Have you been pranked by Woody... Johnny, has he rang up with a dubious accent offering a sort of turn-down service? No, chicken now. <laughs> Johnny's too busy um, if, for anyone that didn't see. Johnny's training regime, so to any normal guy, it was a few squats in their room or a couple of press-ups. Johnny was shoulder-pressing his table on the balcony. <laughs> it's like something off a, a, a Rocky Four film. I uh, I met you once, Johnny. I don't know, You probably don't remember it. A Wisden cricket dinner and you would have been there with um duncan hamilton i think it was when did you guys win the book of the year and i was yeah that's right yeah i was um doing the after dinner speech which is an absolutely terrifying evening actually because it's just a room full of heroes but i remember at the time thinking of you you were the you were in that seat whereby you were yeah there was lots of of legends in the room there were your um you, you, you're Michael Atherton's and you're Victor Marks, but and I was I was like sat at a table of my sort of Surrey heroes from the '90s. It was all Thorpe and Stewart and Salisbury and stuff. But you were in that that sort of pressure. You were kind of there representing contemporary England, I guess. You were the one you'd just come back from from tour or what have you. And I remember thinking in that in that sort of environment, is there even though they're all people that have done the same thing as you, is it is it quite sort of pressured when you're sort of on display like that? And your job is, yeah, the job is to turn up in a suit and just sort of be there. But then you've got, you've got to kind of weather that for the evening, haven't you? And it's the sort of thing where, I don't know, people will be referring to you from the lectern and that kind of stuff. And I wondered if that was an environment in which, you're, which you can enjoy or is it just, does it just feel like work that you can't influence? Um, I think in rooms like that, you've got to kind of gauge it as to how people are within the room. Because if people are there having a good time and uh, wanting you to be having a good time and everything like that, then naturally you can be a bit more relaxed about it if it's quite a serious environment and people take it very seriously and not necessarily laughing at uh, some people's jokes when they're meant to be laughing and yeah 
and, and everything else, then you've got to take it in a different way. But to be honest with you, like I just try and enjoy those evenings because it's quite rare that you get the opportunity to to go and enjoy evenings like that, to be really honest with you. I mean, how many times in your life are you going to be able to say that you've been to a dinner in the long room, for instance? So I think those evenings are there to be cherished. Um, yes, we're wearing uh, an England suit, a suit we're representing England, but people want to see you as well as you playing cricket. They want to understand you as a, a person, as a personality and, and everything that goes with it. And I think those evenings are very important for that because um, if you don't give any personality or uh, insight into you as yourself, all those people are ever going to see is the Mark Wood, Johnny Bess that's on a cricket pitch. And I suppose that kind of just that having, that is part of what you do, isn't it? Having that kind of ambassadorial thing. You just, there's moments that you just, there's like a, a switch is flicked and suddenly you're kind of, you're on display, aren't you? I don't know what it, you know, if you're going and doing sort of street cricket or whatever it is. Yeah. And like I said, I think it's very easy for people to have a, uh, a perception on individuals at this moment in time with, with social media, whatever people can uh, put whatever they want on social media, to try and make people believe that they're happy, sad, everything. But um, the emotions that may be going around inside, um, I'm sure that you, there'll be plenty of people that listen to this that will be going through ups downs with the current circumstances. And that that's not dissimilar to, um, to us, even though we're in Sri Lanka, we're not allowed out of our houses. We're not, Sorry, we're not allowed out of our hotel um, and everything like that. We're literally going to the ground and back. And the, what I'm trying to say is the pressures that come with that, yes, are, are huge. Yes, we're very lucky to do it, but we're all going through similar bits. And um, through social media, you're able to potentially have preconceived ideas as to an individual, um, as to their current circumstances, uh, past circumstances that may not be correct. Um, so understanding and learning their actual circumstance, I think, is uh, is really important. It's also just that the idea that you can be accessible to 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 people that love the game and whatever, and have a degree of you know no- normalcy about you, or whatever. I think that's really just really great in terms of people being able to get involved and feel feel involved. Like I've mentioned to you before, the dressing room is very much like any club dressing room, which is. I know you might think it's hard to believe, but it, it, you have the same dynamics in the England dressing room as what you would in a club dressing room. And, um, you know, me and Johnny have played against each other since we must have been 10 or 11 year old. So we've grown up together, know each other inside out. And I feel like if people were to get to know me or Johnny, we've obviously known each other a long time, but Johnny's the same lad when we've grown up. And I hope I am as well, that you continued on this path and whether you're playing for Ashington, Northumberland, Yorkshire, uh, Dunnington, whoever we're playing for were, were the same kids that we grew up and the same background, everything like that. And um, I think you've got to be, people want to see your vulnerabilities. They want to know that you're approachable. They want to know your professionalism, that there's loads of sides to your personality that people want to get to know. And I think the more you can be not media trained and, and as long as you're just honest in yourself, I think people can can inter- can interact with that and they can get a, a sense of sort of normality with it all. I think that's why it was so great that you uh, paired up with Duncan Hamilton, Johnny. I'm just a big, very big, I love that book, but I'm a very big admirer as well of, of Duncan Hamilton. And I just think it made it, just meant that, it turned it into a proper read. Do you know, it's not a kind of, 
it wasn't like a typical sports book and stuff. And I think, uh, what was it like working with Duncan? If I can be serious for a moment, I just, I'm a, his Neville Carter's book, if anyone's listening, is really amazing. He's an astonishing writer. Yeah, Duncan's Duncan's amazing. Du- Duncan really is, he's a fascinating bloke, isn't he? And a, a seriously special writer. I mean, his, his knowledge of his knowledge of the game, um, the research that he put into uh, certain bits and, and how he how he was able to put it across, I think was really special. Um because naturally talking about those kind of things is is very personal and uh the empathy that he put he put it across but also how um yeah how he put it across in he put it across in the right way uh, i think that's the, that's the biggest thing but also and, and the sporting aspects of it as well you know just just being able to that's the thing i think about again that uh, being able the access you describing what it's like being out in the middle say in south africa scoring 150 or whatever and you really do feel there's those books i think that can and that can sort of transport you there as a fan and you really get an understanding of what it's like i mean i remember once being at a thing at lords and my mate and i we um i don't know if we were allowed to but uh we walked out into the middle with david gower at about half past midnight slightly drunk and he explained what it's like batting at Lords. And my my mate I was with just stood there with this look on his face going, I can't he was afterwards he said, I couldn't really listen to that. I was just thinking, how amazing is this? And I was going, Oh, you should have listened, it was really interesting and it's iron flash. Uh, what was um what was Mark Wood like as a ten year old? Was he was he different in any way? Small. He still is now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um Woody Woody is a ten year old, so we've got quite a few uh, good memories like um, so we, we played against each other a few times once at Dunnington and, and Yorkshire always used to used to bat first um, because you, ha- you had to bat first, you had yeah. to bat first. <laughs> and I'll never forget when he was stood at um, he, he was captain and changed the field was this at Longhurst Hall? well it was like it was like the in position at the time wasn't it you, you watch the like the England cricket team and they have like these silly mid-ons and they have these uh, short mid-wickets or short mid-ons. Uh, Johnny is milking my off-spinner, who was actually a good off-spinner, uh, Tom Cant, and he's milking down the ground. I'm thinking, right, he might just pop one up to me here. So I'll bring mid-on wider and make him into like a wide long-on and I'll stand it like a short mid-on and hopefully he could just chip one up to us. So as a kid as well, yeah, you've got this like sort of air of confidence about you having your way. You're like, you'll talk it up and I'll be like, right, come on, Canty, this is the one. He's going to chip it straight to me here. I think in typical Johnny fashion, just to deliberately uh, pee me off, he hit this ball as hard as he could past me at short mid-on that I could hear the of the ball as it went past my head for four. To which I turned around to the spinner and said, I think I'll come back to mid-wicket. <laughs> Johnny <laughs> was stood there laughing because he'd done it deliberately to try and make me scared and it had succeeded within one ball. <laughs> I think a crucial part of that anecdote that could have been easy to miss was you, you being captain, Mark. Yeah, yeah, well... Uh, How long did your reign, your captaincy reign last? Uh, I, I went right through, actually, from under-11s to under-17s. The, the most damning stat about the whole thing is is that we never won a game. So that probably <laughs> tells you more about my captaincy than, than anything else. There's definitely another story as we were, as we were growing up. So uh, as you can imagine, Woody was quite small when, when we were growing up. And he used to, he used to bowl his away swinger, bowl his away swinger, and, and we'd be batting. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, he'd, like, he'd bowl this... He'd try and bowl this in-swinger, except when he jumped and like he's got his normal action, 
instead of jumping and keeping his left shoulder tight, he'd jump and his left arm would literally go towards like point. And then, and then he'd open right up to try and get this in-swinger going. And then he'd run through and just smile at me <laughs> as if to say, did you pick it? And then, and then as time went on, as time went on, he, he, he got a, um, we were having this joke and everything like that. And um, there was one winter where we came back into pre-season. I think you were about 19, weren't you, Woody? Yeah. And he'd obviously had this like growth spurt and got strong. And next thing, we're up at Durham on a pre-season game. And I was like, I was just minding my own business in like having a few warm-ups. And I heard this absolute thud on the back net. And I looked across and it was Woody. I was like, hang on a minute. That sounds pretty quick. Where's, where's this come from? The next thing, I've just, out of the corner of my eye, just told the, uh, the coach just to stop and wait and listen. So I wanted to see if he was actually bowling quick or whether someone had just turned around and hit a ball into the back of the net just to try and, uh, try and scare a few of the lads. But no, unbeknown to us, Woody had put on about 10 miles an hour in the space of four months. <laughs> and uh, everyone was absolutely dropping the shopping about facing him in the next season. Is that when you went, that's when you went from being Bruce Banner to being the Hulk, essentially, Mark, just in that four-month period. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying it's all the beef wellingtons I had, obviously, around that, <laughs> that time with the homemade pastry. Um, but no, it, was, it was weird. It was a bit like that. It was, like Johnny says, it was like one year I'd gone from a little swinger to, to the next year... Um, I got bowled quick and um, you know I mean Johnny had had some battles over the years as I'm sure people listening you know local leagues or you have uh, people in your own team who you compete against and I can safely say I can <laughs> even growing up I could never get Johnny out there was there was these two there was a guy called Spike and a guy called Johnny um, obviously Johnny Bestow at the time Spike Chris Marsden was his name Johnny? Chris Marsden yeah that's him and if them two got in, we might as well have just flown a white flag. I, I was, I've been, for, for eight years, I got to see these two back to the point where I thought, I've had enough. Like, literally, I've seen you bad enough. We give up. Like, honestly, just let someone else have a go. But you must have. You're, what, you didn't get him out once in eight years? No, not once. The first time we played together, uh, England and, um, North of England under 17s, and Johnny got a crack in 90-odd. Um, against I think the South and it was at that point I'd always knew Johnny was a good player but when you're scoring hundreds against Northumberland it's good but we'd seen plenty of them if you know what I mean <laughs> the other teams um, but when he got he was the only one to get runs that game and I think he went on to represent England under 17s at that point Johnny but that was when I thought ah, this, this bloke will definitely play for, play for England did, did you have the same confidence in Mark, Johnny? <laughs> no, absolutely not, did he? Get this guy off. Who, who's this lad? <laughs> Look at the wee balls, this in-swinger. Oh, get him off. Well, I never played in the 19s, and neither did you, did you? No. So there's, there's similarities with that, because like everyone... Um, well, you hear of a lot of stories, don't you, about wanting to play in the 19s and everything like that. And we, I was never really on any like pathway stuff. I, I went down to Loughborough a few times and did a few bits here and there, but never played England 15s. Never, uh, I played one game in the 17s and then didn't play in the 19s. And obviously when you're growing up, it's every, everything's about trying to get into the under 19s, trying to get into the World Cup squad, everything like that. But I think like someone like Woody epitomises that it's not just about that because everyone grows at different stages. Everyone blossoms at different 
different stages and to go on and uh, and do and, and come back from the injuries that he's had and um, the tough times and actually look at himself in the mirror and, and go, is it something that I really want to do? Can I get through my ankle again? Can I get through another ankle operation? Can I get, get through the rehab and do I want to put myself through it? I think that's a, a real testament to, to Woody as a, as a bloke and a character and um, such a focal point in in our side in, in all three formats of the game and you know, to be there out sharing the field with him during the Ashes and and also uh, in, the, in the World Cup to look back and, and think about those times that he's spoken about up at Longhurst Hall at Dunnington, um, up on a, a cold um, March morning up at the Riverside when you're hoping you don't nip one back and get one on the inside thigh and then you're hopping around for 10 minutes. It's really quite special, Miles. I think it's very lovely to hear, I think, people uh, earnestly uh, praising each other in this way. And I suppose it's partly that thing of, of you having this, what you achieved, say, in the summer of 2019, that, that's a thing you will always have. It's, it's nice to look back, isn't it, on the, on the memories that me and Johnny are talking about there. And I think that, I mean, it's not finished yet, but if you think of the end point or the, the, the top of the mountain being winning a World Cup, it's nice to think of where we've grown up and where we've played cricket and the local cricket clubs and playing against each other to eventually ending up on that field at Lords together. I mean, the thing that I hope people notice or they might not notice is that it, every World Cup game, it was me, Johnny and Rudy who stood together for the national anthem because we were the three that felt that we belted it the most, didn't we, Johnny? And we'd often try and um, <laughs> yeah. out-sing each other. Or... I think what's exciting about it as well is that there's more. Do you know what I mean? You've got, you've got to where you are and you've, you've done that. But there's also, here you are now, however many months it is, 17, 18 months later. Yes, yes you're confined to barracks, as it were, but you're about to go out and just, just do more stuff together. And that's, you know, the idea that, that one day that will just be, you know, one of the staging posts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and having the site to look forward to obviously Sri Lanka first and hopefully in, to, to have the opportunity to go to India and potentially win, it, uh, win again in India is a huge bit. But then from a white ball point of view, the building uh, blocks that we're able to put in place is three World Cups in three years that we've got. And I genuinely think we're in with a shout with them because the, the squad that we've got is is a very very special squad and whether that be in T20 or uh, one day cricket um, there's more guys that are coming through that are going to be pushing us and hopefully that standard keeps keeps going up hopefully our stocks keep going up and and that if you can't be excited about the next three years of international cricket I know we're talking about a long period of time there and injuries and form and everything like that but it's still pretty special yeah are you hoping to be a part of it, Miles? Am I going to be? <laughs> yeah, I if you, just if think... You, if you get that, that action sorted. Yeah, I think I'm probably just going to change the length of my run-up again. I reckon <laughs> I'm just... I reckon that's all it is. It's just... There's just one little thing. I might try batting left-handed. Something. I'm just going to change... Make a little change to my game. <laughs> I think it's time to do the Johnny Best or Super Bowl Miles. I, I could not agree more, Mark. Do you think that you could maybe have 90 seconds on the clock ready and waiting? I'm nervous. I've got the old Fitbit ready. It's already had an exhausting day. Uh, here we are. Are you we can, ready? So you've got, it's about 80, 90 seconds. It changes because some people finish early. I'm nervous, I'm nervous. Life's, life's like that, isn't it? Uh, don't, don't think, just speak. Those are the rules. On your marks, get set, go. 
Right, Johnny, what is your favourite drink? Yorkshire tea. What is your favourite music band? Um, Mumford and Sons. Ooh, any superstitions? No. Uh, what was your favourite school lesson? Uh, geography. Would you rather whistle, clap, click or hum? Whistle. Who would be your worst roommate? Careful. Uh, Jack Brooks uh, What is your guilty pleasure? Uh, McVitie's chocolate digestives Great choice uh, Your favourite childhood toy? I had a massive teddy that was about four foot tall um, And um, Yeah he was ginger like me <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather have a hot bath Or a cold shower? Definitely a hot bath Name two types of trouser. <laughs> Jeans and chinos. Nice. <laughs> and your favourite TV owl? This is this a trick question? Nope. You can, pa- you can pass. Pass. By the barest of all margins. Miles, how did he do? Uh, that took... Uh, that took uh, 84 seconds. I've actually Very made good. that. I've made that number up because the technical problems. But um, in the edit, it will be eighty-four seconds. I reckon. I've thought of a TV owl. Come on then, uh, Old Brown from the Adventures of Peter Rabbit. Oh yes, Old Brown. Not a nice character. Not a nice owl. Him. No. Well, you set the bar pretty high, Mark. I think this, the thing that stands out for me there, Miles, is favourite childhood toy, the teddy bear that was also ginger. Yorkshire tea was very on brand. Very on brand. I don't know why why Johnny would like that. I think it's like those people that have a Newbury but put Kookaburra stickers on it. It's like, so he gets, <laughs> he gets a Yorkshire tea caddy and fills it with twinings. <laughs> Geography was the favourite school lesson, Miles. Good. Impressive. Helpful mm. for an international career. Well, I feel like now whenever we're going to vent, when we get to venture out of the hotel again, I obviously need Johnny by my side because he'd know everywhere. He knows every capital, he knows every street. Never mind, Tom Tom, it's John John. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Well, that was uh, Johnny Bairster there, your uh, World Cup winning uh, colleague. Do you know what? I think he has a great amount of respect for you, Mark. Yes, um, I think obviously going through everything, similar paths together. uh, Johnny's got a heart of gold and literally... He's one of them in the dressing room who will, you know, when he's when things are he's either personally or the team is up against it, he, he really does deliver. Um, and he's always looking out for other people, and he, he always tries to help. And sometimes, you know, it can come across on the TV like he's always up for a, a, a fight or a scrap <laughs> with something. But he doesn't seem like that at all. In, in the dressing room, he's very chilled. Um, will help loves to help out, wants to be caring, like I say, he has, he has got a heart of gold and um, is a good friend of mine. I sort of wish I'd asked, uh, there's so much to talk about with someone like that that's done done so much and has such a range of experiences. That In that World Cup campaign, that, do you know that moment when he sort of just turned it around and he was getting a bit of a bit of stick, I suppose, but also the, the, or the team as a whole was and suddenly he hit that, like, that 90, 111, 109, just that thing. And when Josh Butler, Josh Butler was talking about it that moment when you had a team meeting and said, what are you going to do? And just sitting on the balcony thinking they're doing that thing that we said we should do. 
if you look at his record for an, for a one day opener, it's literally phenomenal. Him and Jace together. But we're also so, talking about someone that's played seventy tests as well. I mean, he's not he's not just a white ball cricketer, is and, he? And and Nally broke. I think he broke the record for a wicket keeping in a year. So he's he's very experienced and he's a, he's a good team man. I mean, the amount of times Johnny will get out trying to whack it with the tail and, and things like that. He's he's very unselfish like that, which. You know, a lot of people will look at stats and things like that, but like I say, like I've said before, sometimes stats are a bit deceiving because he put he does put the team first a lot of the time. Yeah, I would recommend to people listening is the the book he did with Duncan Hamilton. Um, I think it's called Under a Blue Sky. Well, what would your if you were being brutally honest or truthful? What what how does your perception of Johnny when you when you look at him on the TV and now you've just interviewed him was it very different to what you thought or? Um, um, similar or I kind of thought he'd be less antsy about my interior decor and I've al- I've always <laughs> I've always thought that so that's that's another that's another dream shattered um, no I I I suppose you get that sense I suppose he's one of those people that maybe looks angry in photographs uh, you know he's just yeah. has a very kind of calm and measured and, and and sort of thoughtful outlook and I didn't I didn't think he'd be the opposite of that but, mm. uh, you know, he's just sort of nice and gentle and thoughtful, isn't he? But I also think, you know, when we're talking to these people, we're not talking to young hopefuls, are we? We're talking to people that have really done stuff. And I guess there's a certain assuredness that comes that comes with that. But, uh, you know, he's as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the great, great England players of the modern era. And he helped save Hogwarts, so that's another positive. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, amazed to hear about uh, how how bad you were uh, at uh, concealing your inswinger. You're like that yeah, t- that, that baddie I, in I Casino mean, Royale who, whose eye bleeds when he's uh, when he's bluffing <laughs> when he's bluffing. Yeah, I've got that, that's my tell. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, it's less of a tell, hopefully now. But uh, back then, Johnny was certainly right. I, I used to think that it was very deceiving. As then Johnny would smile halfway down as the ball was covered down as if he knew what I was bowling. I was thinking, how does he know what I'm bowling? And then when he described it and he showed me, I thought, yeah, it is a bit obvious. I love the thought, though. It's an insight into your captaincy style. Not only do you think, I'm going to stick someone at silly mid-on when Johnny Bairstow's batting, but you think, I'm going to stick myself there. Well, I thought lead from the front, you know, show an example of the lads. And, I mean, at the time, uh, I remember when I moved position again, I remember thinking, the lads are going to think I'm weak now. (laughs) <laughs> but honestly, the ball went past me so quick. I mean, he was like, well, like 13, 14 year old, and he hit the bloke like a, he hit the ball like a bloke. Boy, he's so, he's got the, gin, the ginger strength, has not he? Thank you very much indeed uh, for listening to this episode, and indeed any others you might have listened to of this, the first series of a middle please umpire with me, Miles Jupp, and World Cup winning fast bowler Mark Wood. Um, we will be back, as I say, in uh, in the spring. Yes, day one is over, lunchtime, good first session, Miles. I think we've done well. I think we're on top, but of course there's more work to do in the second session or our second series. For everyone that's listened in, thank you very much. Um, We do read the comments and the reviews, so if you could leave more, that would be great on all our feeds and pages, Um, and we look forward to seeing you in the spring. Oh, should be taken, and is taken! Brilliant from Mark Wood, what a spell this has been.
You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and email us at middlepleads at hotmail.com. Please also leave a review if you've enjoyed it. Thanks to Mark and everyone behind the scenes, including Cricketers Gin. Middle Please Umpire is an electric production in association with Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.